At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. This Christmas season, we invite you to look deeper into the incredible covenants God made with His people in Scripture. Tune into our current series, Gift Wrapped, From Longing to Lavish, to discover God's unwavering promises to meet the ultimate longings of our heart and ultimately renew our hope with the brilliant truth of the gospel. I'm guessing that you have never heard of Wayne Williams Jr. But today, we're going to hear a little story about this man. You see, Wayne grew up the son of a Chicago Cubs fan. He was the son of a Cubs fan, so that meant many, many years listening to Lou Boudreau and Jack Brickhouse call the losing efforts of great players like Ernie Banks and Ron Santo. Hearing all those games along with his father, what happened was Wayne Williams Jr. also became a Cubs fan. Now, as I hinted at just a moment ago, if you know anything about the Chicago Cubs, that father-son experience is filled with a lot of suffering. It's a lot of sports suffering. Now, that's very similar for you and I if we're Lions fans, right? We know the pain of that father-son connection. The Cubbies regularly let Wayne and his father down throughout the years. They would have hope and they would be let down. And yet still, these two men dreamed of one day experiencing a World Series together. Now, this is where the story takes a sad turn. Wayne's father passed away in the early 1980s. That's before the Chicago Cubs had much success as we've seen recently. But I want you to know the 1980s, that's not where the story ends. The story actually continues. I want you to fast forward to the year 2016 when the Chicago Cubs finally make it to the Fall Classic. Woo! <laughs> Wayne, now a spry young man of 68 years old, got in the car and he drove from his home in North Carolina to see his father in Indiana. What he did is he went to the graveside and he pulled out a radio and he listened to the game with his dad. Williams told an Indiana TV station, he said, we had a pact. When the Cubs, not if, when the Cubs got into the World Series, we would listen to the game together. That was the pact. Now, it took a very long time for Wayne Williams Jr. to fulfill his promise to his father. But that's what he did. He kept his promise. Now, isn't that exactly what you and I are looking for in our lives today? Someone who will keep a promise. People who will keep a promise. Now, today's passage is going to bring us some good news. Because what we're going to be looking at is a passage of Scripture that will help us understand that God's people are the recipient of a powerful and significant promise. But before we turn to God's Word, let's pray together. Gracious God, we are humbled by your love for us. 
We just sang about your promise, and so, God, we want to enter into that, even in these few moments today, as we try to push aside the cares of our world and focus upon you and your goodness. God, one of the ways that you show your faithfulness to us is not only meeting with us through the power of your Spirit when we sing your praises, when we gather as your people, but also when we submit our hearts and our minds to your Word. So God, would you meet with us today? Through the power of your Word, would you give us eyes to see the truth that's found in its pages? Grant us ears to hear this truth today. And then humble hearts to experience the fullness of this truth in our lives in the week ahead. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, church family, today we are continuing our sermon series called Gift Wrapped. And as we mentioned last week, we're going to be journeying through five covenants that God established with His chosen people. We're going to take a journey throughout Scripture to see those covenants. And you'll remember last week I mentioned that there were three aspects of covenant life. As we engage with them, we're going to find great beauty. We're going to find profound mystery, but also a very intriguing history of God's relationship with His people. That's what we're going to experience, not only today, but as we journey through these five covenants. Now, as I mentioned last week, foundational to our understanding of a covenant, it's, it's a religious word that many of us are familiar with, but maybe we don't know the exact terminology, and I think that's important for us as we begin. So, I want to return to the definition I gave last week. It is a lifetime commitment. It's a lifetime commitment that is initiated and established by Almighty God. It's a lifetime commitment. It's rooted and established by God. In just a moment, we're going to be turning to the book of Genesis. So if you want to grab your Bibles, we're going to go there in just a moment. And as you're turning there, I want you to know that today we're going to be doing things a little bit different as we engage with the Scriptures. We're going to be looking at a couple of different passages. And both biblical texts, I think, will help us see how God formed this significant covenant called the Abrahamic Covenant. Now, I want to warn you, the text says Abram, but we know his name was later changed to Abraham, so I'm going to ask for a little bit of grace because I may along the way say Abram, I may say Abraham, Uh, just know that I'm talking about the same guy, all right? So uh, that's what we're looking at. But what we're looking at today is the formation and the foundation of the Abrahamic covenant. And it is a powerful, powerful story of promise-keeping, of promise-keeping. I believe it will help us not only experience the significance of what a promise means, but I think it will also help us understand our faith heritage to a degree. So, let's turn in our Bibles to Genesis. We're going to begin with chapter 12, specifically chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And if you're looking on in our ESV Bible, that is going to be on page 8 page 8. Again, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Hear the Word of God. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. 
And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This first passage shows the elements of God's covenant promise. It establishes this foundation of what it's going to be for Abram and his offspring. God establishes right here, right now. He says, this is what it's going to look like. This is what it is going to be all about. Now, I want to take us to our second text today. And because it is a rather long narrative and has three specific sections, what we're going to do is going to be reading those segments as we move through our morning. Okay? So the first segment is a powerful example of the continuation of what we've just seen here in chapter 12. The amazing plan of God, the amazing grace of God to a very specific people. So let's look at Genesis chapter 15. Just turn over a couple pages. We're going to be looking at Genesis 15. It says, After these things... The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. And he said, Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. I am your reward, and it shall be great. Pause. Verse 1. Now, you see, the context here is so very important. You know I love context as any time we dig into the Scriptures. It's so significant to know what's happening in the cultural context as well as the biblical context. Now, here's what we need to know. The words we just read came to Abram in the midst of a time where he was very fearful, filled with anxiety, filled with doubt. And so when God first called Abram in in chapter 12, he called him away from his pagan ways into a covenant with him. But here's what's also important for us. At that time, scholars anticipate that he was 75 years old. 75 years old, not a young man. And yet God said that he would bless him with a tremendous heritage if he trusted in him. Now, let me remind us something. What we just read in, verse, in, in chapter 12, as well as what we've just looked at in chapter 15, depends nothing upon Abram. He did nothing to deserve this. Nothing. All he had to do was to rest upon the Lord and demonstrate his faith in him through obedience. But it wasn't an easy call. Because just like Abram was old, Abram's wife was also very old. But there was more. Everything that he knew, everything that he had experienced, everything that he owned, God said, I'm going to take you to a new place. There's a lot of faith needed to enter into that type of experience. But in that experience, God makes a promise to Abram. He says, I am your shield. As you go, I am your shield. And because of this, Abram's reward, God says, will be great. Your reward will be great. 
Now, every parent in the room knows exactly what this is all about. We know exactly what this is all about, and I'll just share with you a little personal story. As far back as I can remember, you guys know that we are the parents of two children, Reed and Bethany. They're now a bit older, but when they were younger, there was a phrase that I always communicated in our home, and Bonnie did the same. We always promised them that we would never put them in harm's way. We told them that consistently. I will never put you in harm's way. Now, every parent knows that that means I won't do that intentionally, right? We'll probably screw up somewhere along the way, but I will never intentionally put you in harm's way. Basically, we're communicating, I will be your shield. I will be your guard. You see, even as sinful parents, our desire was to protect our children. Our desire was to give them a great reward. Our desire was to show them love and faithfulness. And I know that every parent in here has the same heartbeat. That's what you want for your children too, isn't it? We want them to trust us. We want them to rest in us. And that's what God asks of you and me as His children. As adult children of God, you and I are invited into this experience, the blessing of the covenantal promise. That's what we're invited into. But it calls for three specific responses. And the first response the believers can have is that you and I can rest in God's assurances. You and I are invited, are called to rest upon God's assurances. You see, it's because God's words, what He communicates, it's His actions towards Abram that can give us confidence. You might say, what? Why? Why can I have confidence because of what He told some guy a long, long time ago? Because the promises of God are rooted in God's character. That's why. The promises of God that we read in Scripture are based and find their foundation in the very character of who God is. You see, that's why we can read the promises found in this covenant structure thousands of years ago, and we can have faith in them. That is also why we can read about the covenant promises that God made with Abraham and know that God is good. Because God's promises, God's promises are built upon the foundation of Him. They're rooted in Him. They're established on His character. Perfect. Trustworthy. That's the character of our God. Now let's return to our text read another segment of today's Word. We're going to pick it up in verse 2, Genesis 15, verse 2. It says, but, Abraham, but Abram excuse me, said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given to me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir, 
Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward the heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. And then he said, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord. And it was counted to him as righteousness. Church family, this is where we find the most significant part of our text. And I want you to know this is something that I am very passionate about. I believe this with all of my heart, and I want you to grab a hold of the significance of what we're reading here. That last line. Because what we see is we see Abram trusting God's promises. He believed. Abram believed. Abram had faith. Abram did nothing except trust God's promises. And what does it say about Abram? It was credited to him as righteousness. Friends, that's how you and I are saved. The reality is that is the foundation of how you and I are saved, not by our works, not by anything we do, but also not by anything we abstain from or don't do. We simply respond in faith to what God has already done for us in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. We respond in faith because it's Jesus who died for our sin. It's Jesus who gave his perfect life as a ransom for your sin and for mine. He paid the penalty. Jesus paid the penalty for our sin, for what we deserved. And similar to Abram, whose righteousness was credited to him through faith, so too does your righteousness come from your faith in Jesus Christ. Do you see the connection? Do you see the link? Faith is the root of our salvation. Salvation is always by faith. I don't know what your religious background is. Perhaps you have no religious background. But I want you to know it is not based on your works. It is based solely upon the work of Jesus Christ and you and I having faith in Him. Guys, this highlights our second response. We are called to believe in God's promises. You and I are called to respond with belief in the promises of God. Now let's look at our text one more time. Pick it up at verse 7. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you the land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer, three years old, a female goat, three years old, a ram, three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all of these, and he cut them in half and laid each half against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. 
And when birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. And as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, a dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. And then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And when the sun had gone down, it was dark. Behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. We're going to pause right there. You see, there's a lot of ceremony in that text, isn't there? There's a lot of covenant imagery in that text, much of which we may not understand culturally. It is certainly a different time from offerings and things like that, but that does not make this text any less important, doesn't make it any less significant. You see, typically when a covenant is established between two parties, there is mutual ownership in that covenantal relationship. There's mutual ownership. This would be done by something called cutting the covenant. And you would cut the covenant. It was an oath that each party had to keep the covenant. If they did not, they would experience, a, they'd experience some problems. Covenants are intense. They're serious business. We should not enter into those lightly. And yet here in our covenant, there is something absolutely incredible that many of us might miss at first glance. In an amazing display of love and of grace, God places the burden of the covenant solely upon himself. He is establishing a covenant with Abram, and he says, it is all on me. He's making a promise of faithfulness. God is making a promise of faithfulness to Abram and to his offspring. Now, let's bring this covenant talk into our world a bit. Let's be honest. This has been a very difficult year. When we turn that calendar from November to December, we kind of look at it and go, good, we're almost done with that. And yet, in spite of all of the difficulties that we have experienced... For many of us, we can still look at each other and be thankful. But there's another side to that, too. Many of us wrestle with the question of, wow, this has been so terrible. Can I truly believe in God? I mean, really, can I trust God? Is He trustworthy? Is God reliable? The answer is definitively yes. Yes. How do we know this? Because God kept his promises to Abram. God kept his promises to Abram. He did so by showing faithfulness to his chosen people throughout history, and that history culminates in the coming of the Messiah, Jesus the Christ. 
That's why we're celebrating Advent, because the significance of the coming of Jesus. I love the way author Timothy Keller explains it. Here's what he said. He said, the promise by God to Abram is a covenantal promise that relies in no way on Abram, but only upon God. He would die before he broke his promise to bless Abram and his descendants. And through one particular descendant, he did die on a cross in the man, Jesus, who is the Christ. Church family, God has kept his promise. He's kept his promise to us in Jesus. Now, let's look at that final portion of today's text. We're going to look at Genesis 15, beginning at verse 18. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, to your offspring, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites and the Kenizzites and the Cadmonites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Rephaim and the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. It's a lot of strange names, isn't it? I mean, really, that, that's a lot of strange names. I'm not even sure I pronounced half of them correct. Here's why they matter. Because what God is doing is He is outlining the borders of the land that He is going to give to His chosen people. This is the land that they will possess, is what God is telling his people. He's giving Abram the details of the promise of their future home. Let me say that one more time. He's giving them the promise and the details of their future home. And if that wasn't enough, God actually provides Abram and all who follow him in faith a forever home. A forever home with him. Not because Abram or you or me are good people. Not because of Abram's best efforts or yours. Not because on some cosmic scale, Abram did more good than bad. That is not how it works. Instead, God's people can anticipate an eternal home because of the promises of our covenant-establishing and covenant-keeping God through faith in His Son, Jesus the Christ. Believers, this gives us our third response. You and I can anticipate God's provision. Believers can, in fact, anticipate his provision of a future home. Here's what it says in Revelation chapter 21. Listen to these beautiful and powerful words. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. 
And God himself will be with them as their God. Church, that's not from a sci-fi movie. What is just detailed there is not just some far-off place for nice people. Instead, what we just read are details of the amazing provision that God gives followers of Jesus Christ who have faith. You see, our salvation is rooted in the family line that is started with the Abrahamic covenant. That's where it begins, and it is fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. So, church family, this is why even in a year like 2020, we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to fear abandonment. We don't need to have stress over our security because I can assure you, and I stand on the Word of God, God keeps His promises. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.